Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess. And in our field, trust is everything. Once a patient trusts you, they, they will follow you wherever you want to take them. So with social media as a physician, I was able to earn so many people's trust uh, without ever having to put a hand on them. All right, so welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, and tonight we have Dr. Barry Pierre on the show. Um, I'd like to first welcome him, and he is an internal medicine specialist. He is a YouTube uh, star. He is a blogger. Um, <laughs> he is a husband, a father, so a very busy man. Very glad that you took some time, some of your time, to come spend it with me. So welcome to the show. No, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, I, I love the, the YouTube star. Def- definitely still working and making <laughs> Uh, but for sure, I think you hit it right off the head, husband, father, physician, and, you know, person who just likes to likes to talk a lot for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. But talking about important things. So uh, tell us about kind of what drove you to go into medicine. What's your, your background? Did you have anybody else in your family that was a physician? Sure. So first of all, like when I when I made the crazy decision, like I was going to be a doctor, I had nobody. Like there was no one in the family. No one in the family was even on the science route. I had a couple of business professionals, but no one on on that side. And I think I remember deciding I was in elementary school and they asked me, hey, what do you want to do? I'm going to be a doctor. Right. And then that was it. Right. Like from elementary school on, like I took on a persona that I I was one day going to be Dr. Pierre to the point where friends and family, they just they like. They didn't realize that they were putting a lot of pressure on me, but they were calling me like Dr. Pierre, like yeah. since I was in elementary middle school, like it was almost like a foregone conclusion. Little did I know that the journey was going to be a little bit harder uh, than expected, but it was just something that I didn't really think of any other uh, occupation at the time. And like when I was, I remember being probably in high school. And I had our, our family physician, Dr. Gaston. I always talk about him because I'm, I'm Haitian. So all of the Haitians in our community, we all went to Dr. Gaston. Like he was, cause he spoke, he was Haitian, right? So we all went to Dr. Gaston. And like, that was just our thing. Like I talked to my friend, like, oh, did you see Dr. Gaston this week? Did you see that? Like we just all went to him. And then I started pitching myself like, man, like I, I wish I could be like the Dr. Gaston in my, my community where everyone just knows of me. So that was like a big driver force for me, like, you know, on this crazy path of medicine. Yeah, a similar story for me. I had a family physician who took special interest in myself, as well as a couple of friends who expressed interest in medicine and the medical field in general. But he was that one physician, like you said, and the whole community went to him. Um, but thank God I had him in my life to serve as a mentor. No, it's it's such a powerful thing. I mean, we're so impressionable. We don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And like Dr. Gaston, I talk about it all the time. He has no clue I am. I never, <laughs> I'm to the point where I've never even came up to say, hey, thank you for, you know, motivating me. But like, I would just, I just, I used to think it was magic where I, I could go to a doctor's office. I tell them a couple of complaints and they know exactly what's going on with me. Yeah, And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, this is what this is what I gotta do. Cause like I just said a boom, 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 and he's giving me a medication, and all of a sudden I feel better. And like that, that feeling that I got when I felt better was like, oh, I want to be able to give this to other people. Absolutely. So tell us you have three young children like me. So how do you balance that with all the things you have going on in, in medicine? You know, when I remember when when I first my first child, I felt like my first child almost forced me to balance myself out. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in medicine, especially when you're in a thinking, because I was a resident at the time, 
Like you could think everything's all about medicine, 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 100% of the time. And medicine, does, especially internal medicine, does, you're a surgeon, so I don't have to tell you that. Um, it does such a great job at making you think that like you have to dedicate 100% of your time or you're not going to be the best physician. And then here comes this little child, right, who says, like, hey, like, I don't know what you was doing before <laughs> me, <laughs> but like, like, this is how it kind of goes now. Right. And like I was, it's almost like a stop sign. I was forced to say, all right, you know, I can't even be playing no games. Like I, I got to do what I got to do. And more importantly, it actually made it more enjoyable. Like it made it more enjoyable to leave work, like which was a crazy, especially as a resident, which is a crazy thing to think about because I now obviously, you know, shout out to my wife. Uh, I had a, a, a much stronger reason to want to go home because I get to play with my kid. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I was just talking to a group of high school students yesterday about how the field of medicine can be all-consuming if you allow it to be. Mm -hmm. um, it, you, there's always more to do. There's always another committee to be on. There's always another patient to see or another surgical procedure to do. Um, but at some point, you have to make a decision that I'm going to do this much, and then I still have other interests outside of medicine. I have a family, and that can help balance sometimes. I remember there were students in my medical school class who are already parents, and they seem to be the most focused people. You know, we would be, we had other concerns and, but the people that had kids to come home to, they were very regimented and still did very well. Yeah, no, I think I, it kind of forced me because I, I couldn't really, I couldn't really spend those long nights in, in, at the, the, um, the library anymore, right? Like I could tell my wife like, hey, yeah, I ain't gonna be home. You know, it's, you know, we got anatomy fits coming up. Um, you know, I got this, I got this exam coming up or, you know, I got these patients, uh, but I could tell my wife cause she understood that it's kind of, right. she kind of, she jumped, but like, I can't tell my kid that because mm -hmm. my kid don't know, my kid don't know no better. And more importantly, they don't really care. Right. So <laughs> once I realized, once I realized that I was like, yeah, I can't, even, that's not even, a, that's not even a viable excuse anymore. Like I got to get up and do what I need to do. Yeah. And, and did like, you know, I used to like run home. I'm like, all right, yeah, all right, guys, I got to go. Like, you know, I got to go play with my kids. Right. And it was just a fun, especially because at during, in my class, like my year, like I think I was, yeah, I was the first one to have a child. Right. So I was like the mm -hmm. first one and they was like, oh, they, they could just see a total difference in me pre-child as a resident and then post-child as a resident. Yeah. Even now when I'm on call on the weekends, my son, okay, daddy, what time you think you're going to be an early day or a late day? Cause he's already got a basketball game scheduled or something. And as soon as I walk through the door, it doesn't matter what happened the rest of the day It's like, all right, put them gym shoes on. Let's hit the court. You know, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We gotta uh, let the kids. We gotta let the kids. They'll give us that energy. They'll give oh, us that energy when you know our fields. You know how our crazy our fields are when our fields try to drain us. Mm -hmm. Like they are the ultimate pick me up. Sure, sure. So, how long have you been in the podcast uh, slash YouTube uh, game? So I started. I, I always bring it back. So when I was when I was doing outpatient medicine, right when I got out of residency, I noticed very quickly that I didn't have a lot of time to talk to my patients. Mm -hmm. So it, doing so, and I, and I had so much to say, I, I'm an internist because that's how we do <laughs> I had so much to say. So I figured, you know what, let me, let me start creating some videos. So I would, I called them lunch and learns and that's how I kind of drag the name. So I would do these lunch and learn videos during my lunch break where I would talk for an hour about diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, and, and I did this for so long that I got to the point when, when patients would come to my office 
even if they were a new patient, they were like, oh, I seen your videos. I love what you talk about. Like, like I knew like you were going to be a good doctor for me. So now I, I didn't, again, at the time I didn't realize I was branding myself. I thought I was just making it easy for me because I did not want to have to spend 20, 30, 40 minutes with a patient when I could say, hey, you know what? I just talked about diabetes. I just talked about high cholesterol. Go watch my video. And if you have any questions, you can just, you know, ask your questions like on the site or wait till you come see me next time. So it made it so much more easier because now I had that extra like, yeah, no, he, he not only did he talk about diabetes while he was with me for my 10 to 15 minutes. He also sent me a video that talked about it for a full hour. So I got all of my questions answered. And from that point, I, I had so many videos. People start saying, like, I have, remember I had a friend shout out to uh, Stephen Francis. He was like, you know, you should make a podcast, right? Like, I was like, why? He's like, well, I love your videos, but like, I'd be ripping and running. So I don't really have time to sit in one spot and watch all of the video. Like, it's great. I wish I could just hear it while I'm driving, going to work and everything else. And that's kind of how the podcast is born. And this is, we're going on like six, I think six years now. Yeah, I think like six years now a podcast. I think we're like episode 214, two, yeah, 214, 215. That's a crazy number. Um, when I when I think about it. And that's kind of how it was born because I realized that people consume content in so many different ways. And yes, I can make a video, uh, but like I'm leaving out all the people who like to listen on the go. They got a long commute to go to work, like and you know, they're cooking, they're doing all these things there, and they just want to be able to press play while still doing, you know, their life. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, six years in the game. So you are on the same level with the Dr. Nee Darkos of the world. And, you know, the uh, Jonathan Jones, you guys all started off, you know, episodes, like I said, 200. Oh, yeah. And I launched last June. I actually launched on Father's Day last year. Um, but as you mentioned, the podcast gives you a tool to teach others. You know, you have in the office, you have 10, 15 minutes which you have to cram so many things into. And you mm -hmm. basically got to go from introduction to plan, treatment plan in that 15 minute period. So you can be out of the room to the next patient. Uh, but this gives you an opportunity to give a whole episode and simply just say, hey, go listen to this episode on diabetes or hypertension. And you can sit down and take a time for 30, 45 minutes, take notes, whatever you need to do. And that's all the information. So it's a powerful tool. Yeah, and shout out to Nick Darko. He was he was definitely one of my biggest motivators uh, in the beginning because you know as a physician, right? You're like I'm in a podcast. Like, all right, what does it look like for a doctor mm -hmm. in a podcast? Because mm -hmm. this is what 2015, 2016. Like, what does it look like for a doctor having a podcast? So here I go and I look, and here goes his brother who has you know <laughs> looks like me, right? And he has yeah. a podcast and he's talking to other professionals, and I'm like, ah, oh, okay, docs outside the box. Okay, that's that's. That's, that's, that's it right there. Mm -hmm. So he was a big motivator and driver for me uh, to get into the podcast game too, because I saw someone do it, which, you know, typically happens right in our field, right? We see someone do it, which means we know it can be done. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of follow that path. So see one, do one, teach one, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So talk about how you built your brand. You mentioned the lunch and learns, um, but you also have the Real Physician Reacts, um, your YouTube channel, uh, like you can see your sweatshirt that you're wearing right now. Uh, so you do an excellent job with branding and the merchandise. Tell us about that. So I, I always had to give the credit to a coach of mine, Dr. Dre, Dreon Birch. Okay. Who, when I was doing, I was doing ambulatory medicine. I remember that was, a, it was a, first of all, it was a, it was a great time, but it was also a sad time as well, because it was kind of the first period of my life when I was like, yeah, I like doing this doctor stuff, but mm -hmm. like, I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. 
And yeah, I was, you know, fresh out of residency. You know, I, I liked the patients I was taking care of, but the company I, that was I was working for, they weren't really taking care of me. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell the story all the time. I remember when it was time uh, to renew my contract. And I was like, all right, you know, I, you know, I done did a great two years for them. I don't, I didn't open up their practice from nothing, built it to a crazy busy practice. And they were like, all right, here you go. And then I was like, oh, you know, I actually get paid this like right now. Like they were offering <laughs> me the same exact rate that they offered me two years ago, made it worse. They had the same address. So they don't just went to a computer, printed out that the contract that they had from two years ago. Right. And I'm like, I don't even stay here no more. Like, like, I was like, so like, that was a big, okay. They, they're playing games with me. And even though I built up their practice and done all of these things that I've done for them, I realized that like, you know, they just feel like, oh, I could, we could just replace it. Like he, he wasn't as special as I felt I should have been. So, you know, working with Dr. Dreon Birch, he was my coach and he just kind of talked to us about just the business of just business and not necessarily business of medicine, but just understanding that as a physician, we have so much leverage that we continuously give away uh, on purpose, right? We just continuously right. give away because we don't know no better. It's not mm-hmm. like we, we want to give it away. We just don't know no better. And we don't understand how much our name carries weight. We don't understand how when we walk in the building, we keep the lights on. And, and just that mindset, talking to him and just learning from him, I ended up quitting the job. Like, I remember I was like, I gave him that, you know, three, because you know, got to get 90 days, gave him that 90 day notice. Like, hey guys, I'm out of here. It's like, peace. Like I'm gone. And of course they're frantic. And they're like, oh, well, what can we do? I was like, nah, it's, it's already done. Like that, like that was like, once I knew that y'all are printing out that contract from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Then there's really nothing, uh, you know, that y'all can offer me. And his his mindset really kind of opened it up to all these aspects of business, whether it becomes a merchandise, where it becomes just aspect of branding, trademarking, and all these things that I, I had heard of, but never figured that a physician would be doing it. I just figured it was like, oh, like the business folks, like that was mm-hmm. like their thing. And I'm just here to kind of take care of people. And he really, he really, really kind of drove it home. Like you can still take care of people. You just got to take care of yourself first and then do it in the most orderly fashion, especially from a business standpoint. Right. Which almost when you tell a doctor to take care of themselves first, it's almost like an insult. Like Mm -hmm. I'm here. I want to care for people. Right. And people does not include me. People includes the patient sitting on the other side of the table. Um, But the entrepreneurship and the just business mindset. It's something that you get absolutely none of in medical school no. um, and it's something that you have to go through either the school of hard ducks or, you know, hire a coach or, you know, find a mentor or something to learn truly after your, your training, which, you know, that's it's another so reason why podcasting is so important. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so unfortunate because they, they, and I don't know if the medical schools don't realize that we should be knowing this stuff or it's mm-hmm. just kind of ingrained in their way of teaching that they don't think it's important for the doctor to kind of know these things. Like, yeah, I'm not telling every doctor needs to have their own practice on their own building, right, uh, but right. again, yeah, every doctor should be on social media. Every doctor should, you know, be promoting themselves, promoting themselves as the doctor. You know, we work so hard for our degrees only to be, and I, I call it part of the two email system, right? Where like, if it's time for you to go or leave a place, right? Or let's say, unfortunately, pass away, they send that first email, hey, Dr. Pierre is not going to be here no more, da, 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 da. Hey, by the way, we got a new person who's working Dr. Pierre's place. Like that's like for a lot of, for a lot of companies and for towards a lot of physicians, that's kind of how they treat us. Like we're just mm-hmm. 
kind of come in and go. And, and just, you know, talking to him and just being open my eyes to being educated that like, nah, like you offer so much more that you can provide to your community. Like, again, I, I talked about that in Gaston, uh, realizing that my community doesn't even necessarily have to be confined to my little zip code here. Right. Now, when I, you know, I flick on the camera, all of a sudden I got people in like Poland and all these other countries like who are watching videos that I, I'm like, why are you watching me? Like, and I think <laughs> that was such a, uh, a powerful statement for us. So what would you say that how has social media impacted or changed your practice of medicine? Oh, it's, it's been absolutely beautiful. And it, it was it really started when I started doing the lunch alerts, when I started being able to sell myself, even I did, I, at the time, I really wasn't. Honestly, again, I was being greedy. Like I was trying to say, like, all right, how can I get out of this room without like answering 20 extra questions? Oh, I'm going to just do a video. Right. right. And then send them to the video. Like I was again, I was thinking selfishly, you know, we got to do what I do. Right. Yeah. I was thinking selfishly, not realizing that not only was I helping my patient, uh, but I was promoting myself at the same time. And I made it so much easier to gain that level of trust. And in our field, trust is everything. Once a patient trusts you, they, they will follow you wherever you want to take them. So with social media as a physician, I was able to earn so many people's trust. Uh, without ever having to put a hand on them, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever, well, without ever having to say like, "Hey, you know, this is why you should do it," like, because like I've gained enough kind of social, you know, cachet that they say, "You know what? Like, not only do I see what this guy been doing, but I trust him enough when that when he say like, "Oh, hey, you know, this is the medication. Uh, y'all should be worried about this disorder right here." Like, I'm gonna believe him and not like chastise him and say, "Nah, I don't know what that guy's talking about over there." Absolutely. And also the impact of that's my doctor. You know, people like when they see you on a billboard or on TV Mm -hmm. or on social media because it gives you credibility and they can tell the next patient that, oh, that's my doctor. So I think that also carries a lot of weight as well. You know, and and obviously, and I love that you said that because that's such a new school train of thought. Mm -hmm. Like when I was when I was in medical school, I, I started blogging. And I was just, you know, I wasn't talking about nothing crazy, but I was just talking about, you know, my life as a medical student. And I remember I used to have to meet the, every beginning of the year, I would have to meet with our dean and say, hey, you know what? We know you have a blog, right? <laughs> we, we see it, right. right? We just want to make sure, you know, HIPAA, right? We want to make sure you don't put no patient information in there. You mm-hmm. don't do this, that, that may come back at us. So that was like my first involvement. And this is what, let me see, I don't know, two, this is like 2008, right? So this is a time where like doctors weren't just jumping on social media and healthcare workers weren't jumping. It wasn't a thing to do because we were so, we were so petrified of the thought that like, oh, someone's going to see me on there. Someone's going to call me a quack. Someone's going to like, you know, say some bad things about me or I'm going to get sued for something I say on there. Like that was such a fear point for us that we ran away from it. to this day. Like, like when we think about it, there's so many different there's so many of our colleagues who should be online who just won't get online because of that level of fear yeah so you said you had to meet with your administration every year every year every like like clock where they're like hey come on up like hey we know you got the blog you know like this this, just do this this way this way like make sure you don't include me like like that's why i like i I ended up writing a blog like the hippo monster right because like they would like drill in me like hey we don't want to see this in a blog post we don't want to see that in a blog post like just like every single year they would give me a little form i'd have to sign just to say like okay yes we've had this meeting of course you know cya right because the case i do something crazy like hey we talked to this guy right (laughs) (laughs) right we've already marked off on him so 
Yeah. So you're, that's one of the things, if you keep looking at the videos that you put out, it's usually talking about someone. You do touch on some topics, like hot topics that are going on, but most of them are to empower people to live uh, for a better life, you know, a healthier life. So talk to that about that. Yeah. I, one, of, one of the things I realized, especially early on in my career, is that, you know, patients want to be healthier. Mm-hmm. It, there's never been any time frame where patients don't want to be the healthiest that they can be. But a lot of times it's because of how the information is either presented to them or not presented to them, right, that they almost feel helpless. And I found that more and more times that if I just gave like, hey, you know, this is the groundwork. This is what we're doing. This is how you're doing it. This is why it works. Right. All of a sudden now they're taking kind of that personal like you know, initiative and say, oh, you know what? I, I read that blog post. I, I saw I saw uh, the video. Right. I listened to that podcast. Right. I kind of know what I'm I, I'm talking about, Doc. Like I got some more questions. Right. And they feel so empowered because once they feel empowered that they can ask the questions that they can ask. Like we've all had family members. They go to a doctor's appointment. They'd be at the doctor's appointment for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them, oh, hey, what, what, what did the doctor talk about? They have no clue. All right. Yeah. No clue You're the doctor. Right. You're I'm the like, doctor. I'm like, I'm like, hold on. You were just there for 30 minutes. What you mean? You don't have no clue. Like, yeah. what do you mean? So it's, and we, we, I think a lot of people are surprised at how many people have these interactions with us, right? Where they'll spend time with us and we'll be asking them, like, you got any questions? Mm-hmm. They'll be like, nope. And mm-hmm. then they get home and they can't explain to their family members, like, what the doctor talked about. So I think that, that was such a big driving force because I realized that once a patient felt empowered, right, to take their health in their own hands, right, like they were much more likely to follow directions, much more likely to be complying with medications, and then obviously and ultimately end up being healthier in the long run. Yeah, I always, it's kind of frustrating when you get the, well, you're the doctor, you know, mentality. You're the doctor, so you tell me what to do. I say, mm-hmm. you're correct. I am the doctor, but you're the patient. So I'm here to make recommendations. But you have to make the final decision. And if you embrace that it is your decision to be made, it's going to make you want to ask more questions and make you feel empowered that, oh, this is my body. No matter what you tell me, I'm going to make the final decision. And that's what I want my patients to do, because I find that if I tell you to do something, number one, if it doesn't go right, you're coming back on me and saying, well, you told me to do it Mm -hmm. or, you know, you need to explore (laughs) all your different possibilities to know that this is the treatment that you want to have. And we have, and it's crazy, we have so many, uh, especially nowadays, right? We have kind of, I always kind of describe it like three different patients, right? You have that one patient where like you tell them jump, they ask how high, mm-hmm. right? You have the other patient where you say jump and they say, all right, like doc, what do you want to do? Like, all right, what are we jumping for? Like <laughs> they got questions, right? Like they want to jump, but they, they just want to kind of figure out what's your rationale by telling them to jump. And then you got the other patient, right? And and a lot of times you see our colleagues kind of get upset at these types of patients. They call them like the Google patients, mm-hmm. um, where I say jump, and then they're bringing me back paperwork. They're bringing me back, say like, oh no, I read somewhere, I watched somewhere, like jumping is bad for you. I ain't gonna be <laughs> doing all that jumping, doc. So yeah, I don't know what yeah. you want to like. So and as a physician, we are tasked to having to deal with all three different types of patients like in our daily basis, right? Like right. we can go from one room to the other and we're doing, oh, this is you, uh, you're that type. Oh, you're that type. Oh, you're that type. Right. So, mm-hmm. and there's, there's certain ways that you can empower each individual type, right. To, for the best. Right. But like as a physician, we're the ones who have to know, like, all right, I already know that, like, whatever I say you're going to do anyways, but let me, let me try to make sure that you're, you're like prompted and understanding you're asking questions that you should be asking, even though 
you you trust me so much that you'll just kind of run through the brick wall if I tell you to. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. In any office at any time, you might have one of those three patients side by side that you're going to be seeing back to back. So <laughs> never a dull moment. I tell yeah. people, man, if you ever want to have a best-selling show, just set up a camera in the doctor's office because you can't make up some of the stories that we hear. Mm-hmm. And as I tell patients all the time, that's why a patient would be like, Oh, I went to, you know, this heart doctor, right? He was the best heart doctor ever, right? And then another patient in my practice may say, oh, I went to that. Oh, he was terrible, mm-hmm. right? And that's what typically happens, right? Because that doctor may work great, right? For, you know, the person who, when you say jump, they say how high, but they may not work as well when you say jump and they're bringing all of these paperwork. They're like, nah. so then that's how one patient or two patients can have much significant different interactions with the mm-hmm. same doctor, right? Like I try to, you know, and, and again, that's where we talk about it. Cause I, I talk about choosing the right doctor, right? Like, mm-hmm. because you have as a patient and we, and you said it, right. You gotta know, you gotta, you're the patient. You have to know which works best for you, right? If you're the type that you're going to bring all of your paperwork and you're going to bring all of the studies and you're going to question everything, you need to make sure you with a doctor who's okay with that, who's able to kind of work around that to still get to the common goal. Because if you don't, then you're going to have problems. Right. And this leads us to the implicit bias and, you know, the need for different minorities to be represented, you know, to have representation in medicine so that you can understand your patients because sometimes they are just brushed off uh, simply because there's a cultural difference. Mm. Um, you know, and I'm that will yeah, that, that will keep you from getting good care because the patient's going to shut down, the physician's going to shut down, and it's finally like, go find somebody else to take care of you. Now, now, mind you, again, because I'm, I'm Haitian, right? So yeah. we would, like, shout out to Dr. Gaston. Like, it was not out of the ordinary for when we came to see Dr. Gaston, we didn't already had tea leaves. We didn't already drink tea. We didn't already, you know, rub some oils. It is not out of the ordinary that we did all of that stuff. And then we came to him. Right. And again, but here he is. He's the medical doctor, right? So he still, he has to be able to understand like, nah, they're not, they're not weird. They're not atypical for doing that. That's just how their culture like mm-hmm. does things, right? Like, and you got to be able to kind of work around it. Like, again, I, I, I now like as I'm talking, I remember like when I was young and I got I think I had the flu or something, and I my my mom had me uh, lay in a bathtub full of leaves and hot water and aroma. <laughs> it was just you know like yeah, I love my mom right, but right, you know right. that's just what our culture did. But like imagine me telling that story to a doctor who has no clue right. about our culture, and they were like, "Hold on, you had your kids in and what?" <laughs> right. They looking at you like, so no, it's 100% important to understand the culture of all the patients that you work with. So, you know, you can treat them to the best of their ability. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think about where I practice, everybody's put some type of home remedy, you know, and it's always either from fat back to some kind of ointment or, you know, it's mm-hmm. always something. And, you just got to know that that's part of it. And yep. they, that means that they they tried their home treatment and now it's time for the doctor to do something. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And again, that, that's a, that's important, right? Because if they feel comfortable enough to tell you, because a lot of people, they won't tell you. They won't tell right. you they did all of that stuff before they got to you. But if something in you, and, and you talk about like, you know, see, definitely seeing my minorities in our field, like it's nothing, uh, no better feeling when I turn that corner and I walk into my patient room and they look at me and I look at them and I already know the look that they're giving me. <laughs> oh my God, my black, my black, my, my black doctor just what like, they'd be like, 
Hey, let me call you back. My doctor's like, it is such an uplifting feeling uh, when that occurs. So, but, but unfortunately that don't occur a lot. So that's why they're like, they give me the crazy face because they're not used to seeing a lot of us in the fields really taking care of them. And truthfully in medicine, you get that look a lot of times more in the basement, right? More with the cafeteria workers, with the maintenance mm-hmm. workers. Um, mm-hmm. You feel that sense of connection with them when you first walk in in the morning in the basement before you even go up to your office or whatever it may be. Um, but patients definitely appreciate it, um, especially an old person, right? Oh, yes, but 100%. You walk 100%. in and, and grandma's sitting in the corner. She says, baby, I am so proud of you, you know, and you already know what she means. Right. Right, yeah, and then they 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 almost forget to tell you why he came. Right, right. <laughs> let's let's take a picture. Right, let's just. <laughs> right, yeah, man, that that definitely brings a happy moment to your day when that happens. So definitely, it, no, it's so it's so important because, and especially when we talk about the that implicit bias that occurs, it, it what it happens is that it builds this wall of distrust, mm-hmm. and. Once we're once we if we can just walk into the room and get them to smile and get them to feel comfortable, right? Ah, okay, I, all right. I got a black doctor. Yeah, let me tell them what what the real reason why I'm here. And that's mm-hmm. such a it, it does does us both right. It does us both good right when you tell me the reason why you're actually why you're here and any stuff that you might have done at home because that only helps me out. Absolutely, absolutely. So on um, time out with the sports doctor. This is your final time out. So. You've been six years in the game with social media, YouTube, uh, podcasting. So you're a veteran. So what do you tell a, a young physician or someone, even an older physician, who is saying, I know that I need to have a social media presence or I need to start a podcast, but I'm kind of scared of what everybody's going to say or how that's going to impact my practice. So what pearls of wisdom will you share with them? Oh, first and foremost, I always tell them, you want to start with something that you know is going to be consistent. Now, whether it, and then even, especially because again, I'm on a whole bunch of platforms, right? But it took yeah. a while for me to get on a whole bunch of platforms. It's, it's so easy. Just start on the one. Start on the one you feel comfortable with. And let's say you're just a great writer, right? Start writing some blog posts out, right? Like, let's say you actually like talking in front of camera. Boom, put your, you know, press record on your phone and go live and just kind of talk. Because a lot of times we almost downgrade ourselves and our level of expertise before we even give others a chance to. Like we could be the smartest gastroenterologist, the smartest cardiologist. We could be that smartest whatever, right? But we feel like, oh, I don't know enough to be on online talking, like, and not realize, and that, and that's, and that's, we get caught up on this too. I always call this the conference. Um, syndrome, right? Because when we go to a conference, like we see a lot of our peers and, you know, they're doing their stuff there, right? So we feel like, oh, we got to hold up to a lot of our peers. Mm -hmm. But when you recognize and understand that the audience you're talking to is your patients, right? Who is not, you know, going to be, you know, doctor degree bound and every like, like high school educated, like who just want common sense information as well as information from their doctor, right? Like once you once you understand that, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I can talk to them. And then you realize, like, oh, I can just go, right? And so, and then obviously, you got to work on making sure that you you understand who you're talking to, because a lot of times I see my colleagues get online, 
And they be forgetting that they're talking to patients. Like the terminology, the way they speak is as if they're talking to us at a conference. Right. I'm like, I, I understand that. I, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Right. But like your, your patient's not going to understand half of that terminology you just use. Right. You're going to have to learn how to explain that in a simpler way for like the masses uh, to to absorb it. So I always say one. Yes, you definitely need to be on here. Right. Let me let me list the organizations who are online. Mayo Clinic is online. Harvard Med is online. John Hopkins is online. Uh, Medscape, like all of these organizations have social media uh, platforms. So if these organizations may, like all of these organizations recognize they should be on social media, do not tell me Dr. So-and-so down the street uh, should not be on social media. That'll make no sense in the world, right? Like they recognize it, right? These organizations recognize like, if you are not on social media, you will be lost. And unfortunately, I, you know, I, we talk, we, there's, there's this conversation, especially about misinformation, disinformation. Right, and right. a lot of that has occurred because we weren't there, right? It's been so long that we got online as a force and say like, hey, you know, what? like I'm pretty sure, especially in your field, like some of the crazy remedies and things people be saying, and you probably looking at it like, right. oh, where y'all got that from? Like, yeah. like. But because you weren't there to say like, hey, man, if you see someone say that you should be doing this with your bones to get stronger, don't listen to that. Like you should do like you have to be there to kind of stop that crazy information, because unfortunately, there's a lot of people on the other side who do not have your expertise, who do not have your smarts, right, who do not have your background, your education, telling the world the most craziest things. And 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 they're, and they're saying it with such a level of confidence that sure. if you did not know no better. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I always tell patients, if you did not know no better, you would actually think that person is actually saying something right. And I'm just like, no, fam, <laughs> like, no, that is all wrong. That is no. We're like, what are you? What are you? Yeah. Like, that's that's how I started doing my real physician reacts. Because I used to be having so many just reactions to stuff I see. I'm like, oh, they, they, they don't even know that what this person is saying is just a bunch of BS. <laughs> right. Let me let me at least give you a little bit of science behind it. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So please start start yesterday. Like right. yes, we we need you. We need more of you. We were going to get tuned to need more of you. That's what I do. Love my my medical students. Right, the medical students they well because obviously they grown up in this social mm-hmm. media age. Mm-hmm. So for them, it's like like it's like second nature for them to be online. Um, it's just a lot of our colleagues, right, who've been chilling and who didn't really have to do it. They may have a Facebook page. They may have a Twitter page. Uh, but a lot of times, you wouldn't even know that they were a physician. Right. Because right. they don't even really promote it in, in that sense. But like our medical, our medical students and even our residents, they're getting on here right? and they're oh, yeah. letting you know. Like, yeah, hey. The next generation definitely knows the, how to use and maximize the use of social media. So, yeah. But and but they use it more even 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 from a branding standpoint. That's their big thing. Like, oh, I got I to gotta let folks know who I am. Like, this right. is what I do. <laughs> right? I can just happen to be a doctor, but I got to let folks know I'm, I'm, I'm in the building. Right. Now, you're right about that. You're right about that. But Dr. Barry, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for all the wisdom that you shared on the show tonight. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on. And hey, I look forward to continue to work with you moving forward. Oh, yes, yeah. so, indeed. And again, I remember we are definitely going to be having a switch because we're definitely going to have you on my podcast as well. Right. Because, again, it's, it's just one of those things, especially when uh, I, I see a pod, a potter, a physician from afar. Right. And I'm just like, yes. Like, because I know, like, because I can't talk about everything. 
Right. right? Like I, I just don't have the ability. Right. So I need more and more uh, of us just getting on here, really kind of expanding our expertise. So um, definitely we'll definitely look forward to having you on Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. Right. Like this going to be some amazing things for sure. Hey, sounds great. Just let me know. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. If this podcast is adding you value, uh, please leave a five star rating and review and give me feedback. You can go to my website at drderekthesportsdoctor.com. I'm on the website. You're able to give me verbal feedback or testimonials about how this show is impacting you uh, via voicemail. Or you could also uh, send a message. And if you're interested or know someone who might be interested in being a guest on this show, they can also figure, fill out a form that says register as guest on the website and we will contact you uh, to discuss it further. So thank you uh, for everyone who continues to support this podcast. Uh, we are growing only because of your support. And as long as you will continue to support us, we will continue to give you episodes that hopefully will enhance your life. So have a good week and be blessed.